Hey, Bankless Nation, we are excited to bring you another Bankless panel. This one is all about Solana. Solana, a layer one blockchain. Some have pe people have called it an ETH killer, uh, maybe an ETH competitor, maybe it's an ETH companion. David and I realized we wanted to learn a bit more about Solana and the ecosystem and to have a panel where we could have a, a, a fairly neutral conversation about Solana to dig in deeper. Uh, so that's what we're doing today. We've brought two fantastic guests, which I think can represent a bull case for, for a Solana perspective in a, a kind of a credibly neutral way. So know these two guests are very passionate about DeFi, know they care about um, values that, that the Bankless Nation cares about. That's why we wanted to bring them both on. David, do you wanna uh, tease who the guests are and then maybe we can give a quick tease of what this panel is going to cover and our positions going into this panel? Yeah, sure. So we, we brought on uh, Santiago Santos, who is a big Ethereum bull. Uh, and is also bullish on Solana. And so for somebody that uh, I like resonate with their bullishness on Ethereum, I would like to know why, like what are the rationales behind the bullishness on Solana? Uh, and so we're bringing on Santiago just to for, for that angle. And then we also have Konstantin Lumashuk, uh, who has worked uh, in many different projects around the world, uh, around the, the crypto ecosystem, uh, part of uh, the Lido team, um, uh, part, uh, has experience uh, with validating uh, systems, proof of stake systems, uh, blockchain systems. So, so he will be useful to talk about the nature of the uh, technical details of Solana. Uh, and is also bullish on Solana. And so uh, I, I have detailed questions about that. And then I also, we, I think we also have to ask, you know, kind of more or less the same questions that all blockchains have to ask themselves. The nature of the token distribution, uh, the nature of who gets to validate uh, and just the why it is a, a, what did it unlock, right? And so from what I've been able to gather, so Solana is a pretty cool piece of software from the people who are tech, more technically competent than me. They have good things to say about the, software that is Solana. And so I want to dive into that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we, we probably both of us have a, a particular thesis coming into this conversation, right? One that we've held for a while. So, you know, first of all, the, the vision when we started Bankless was we want a self-sovereign bankless money system for the world, the most decentralized system possible. We saw that in Bitcoin, we saw that in Ethereum, we see that in DeFi. And um, we've always had an open mind to like what is coming next. I will say I, I probably have a, um, a preconception going into this conversation. Uh, and that, that is this. Um, Solana, as David mentioned, is a cool piece of technology. They're a real project. There's a real team behind this. There's some uh, fantastic engineering and a real um, talent. They have a real community. Um, I see backing from some interesting funds, uh, FTX, and uh, you know other crypto banks as as well. So I see some some traction. So it felt time to have a conversation about it. Um, other layer ones like haven't reached even even this stage where uh, it's worth spending a lot of time on, at least for me. But um, David and I thought it was time to have a conversation about Solana. I will say. Um, my current perspective on Solana is that I believe it might be a bit too decentralized or too centralized to be a, a global world settlement layer for DeFi. Um, things I'm going to ask and I'm concerned about, the ability to run a node from home is very important. The ability to kind of uh, verify transactions and opt into the system. Um, there's some issues with state growth that seem unresolved. Um, some questions around the supply of the token. This got a start in sort of VC land in, in uh, a presale that wasn't publicly available. Uh, a, a relatively small group of 
um, folks who uh, have been distributed the token, at least in the early stages, some of that may be decentralized. I think ultimately, I have concerns about the um, the number of validators that it it you know takes, and the number of colluding parties that it takes to kind of um, co-opt the network, censor it, uh, roll back the chain, these sorts of things. I. I feel like my take coming into this conversation and the way the, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm sort of um, spending some time to illustrate this is because uh, it, it's important. You get a sense for, for the questions David and I are asking is it feels to me like Solana is a fine platform for uh, lower value settlement. Maybe things like NFTs are you know great for it. Uh, maybe other low value use cases, but um, I don't think it's decentralized enough to be the bankless, you know, DeFi settlement layer that we want from this space. At least that's my thesis going in, and I'm open to the conversation around this, open uh, to change my mind. But all of this might mean it doesn't actually compete against uh, Ethereum, it's actually a, a companion to Ethereum in the same way other sidechains are, um, other layer twos are, even centralized exchanges help propagate and they, they do settlement on Ethereum too. So ultimately, I, I do want to echo the sentiment that this is not a zero sum game. Like we're all in this together. I do think that Solana is actually good for Ethereum. So the ETH killer versus Ethereum uh, thing is, is somewhat of a myth. But we do need to get to the bottom and have a conversation about the, the trade-offs of various systems, and particularly the layer one that we select for this industry as kind of the, the shelling point for all DeFi. We need to make sure it is as decentralized as possible. So I'm probably going to be asking these panelists some questions along those lines. I don't know, David, if you have anything to add. That's a longer preamble than <laughs> no, you usually you get did it all. panels, but <laughs> yeah, I felt it was important. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the takes from our guests. Uh, and so, uh, but before we get there, we must talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. When you shop for plane tickets, you probably use Kayak, Expedia, or Google to compare ticket prices. So why would you limit yourself to just one exchange when you trade crypto? When you make your trades, you want to make sure that you're getting the best possible price on your trade and that you aren't paying high gas costs that you could have otherwise avoided. That's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible prices without taking any commission. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your order across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pulls the liquidity for me into a single easy to use platform and that has even saved me multiple times from accidentally picking the wrong decks to trade on and accidentally getting a bad price. Matcha also allows for you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're away. New to Matcha is an integrated fiat on-ramp. You can purchase crypto directly with your credit or debit card and have that fiat be instantly traded for any token that has liquidity. When you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz slash bankless and connect your wallet to start getting the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that is going to completely change how we use DeFi. If you've been using Ethereum for the past 12 months, you've probably noticed the high gas fees and the slow confirmation times that have been plaguing DeFi. Too many people want to use Ethereum and it doesn't have enough capacity for all of us. That's where Arbitrum comes in. Arbitrum is a layer two to Ethereum, which means Arbitrum can increase Ethereum's throughput by orders of magnitude at a fraction of the cost of what we are used to paying. 
when interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of security and decentralization. This is why people are calling this Ethereum's broadband moment, where we get to add performance onto decentralization and security. If you're a developer and you want to save on gas costs and make an overall better experience for your users, go to developer.offchainlabs.com to get started building on Arbitrum. If you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps building on Arbitrum. Arbitrum has been working with over 300 teams, including Ethereum's top infrastructure projects, and will be opening up to all users shortly. There are so many apps coming online to Arbitrum, so you may want to pack your bags in preparation for the great migration to the Arbitrum Layer 2. To keep up to speed with Arbitrum, follow them on Twitter at Arbitrum and join their Discord. Hey guys, we are back with the panel that is all about Solana. We have two guests for you. Really excited to introduce them to you. The first is Santiago Santos. He is a crypto investor. He spends most of his time at the intersection of DeFi and the metaverse. He has a crypto punk, of course, number 9159. He's a former partner at Parified, longtime investor in the space. Also a repeat bankless guest, Santiago. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, David. It's great to be here again. We also have Konstantin Lamashuk, who is uh, an investor in the Ethereum crowd sale and also a Solana seed investor. So both of those networks at the same time has watched them grow from little seedlings to what they are now. So I think offers a fantastic perspective. Also a validator in the space, a co-founder of the P2P.org project, uh, and also Lido. He is a Unisox holder. Need to mention that. We've got to uh, <laughs> pump our NFTs whenever possible, right guys? Uh, Constantine, Sorry. welcome to the show. It's hey, great to have you. Hi guys. All right, fantastic. Well, we are going to get into the panel with, I think, the first question, which sort of sets the basis for all others, which is, what makes you bullish about Solana? Santiago, maybe start with you. Yeah, look, I mean, I think um, it was interesting. I think generally when you're investing in this space, you have to keep an open mind of, of, of how things are evolving. I think protocols are organisms that expand and, and grow and um, Bitcoin. I saw Bitcoin early on and Ethereum early on as well. Just and like they've taken a shape of, of their own and they've grown in a very meaningful way. I think uh, what drew me to Solana was um, was a couple of things, but I I, I think uh, this idea that um, the number of developers that were um, entering the space, not just like Solidity devs going to Solana, but it was more like new talent entering the space. And I think that was large part uh, the gravitas that Sam, FTX, and that consortium has. Um, they're um, they have a lot of muscle and resources to attract new developers, which I think is net positive to the space. Just when I say the space, I think like you know Ethereum, Bitcoin, just broadly kind of crypto. And to me, it was really encouraging. I, I was a, a judge in a few of the hackathons, and the number of developers entering the space was improving. Uh, and talking to these developers, the thing that I focus on the most is how easy is it to build in Solana. And I think the, the dev tooling and resources have come a long, long way um, since they launched, uh, what is it, a year and change ago, a year and a half ago, a year, nine months ago. So I think to me, that has been most encouraging. It's sort of like followed the devs and, and why they're building in Solana and understanding that led me to, to become more interested in, in the space. And also, I think you alluded to this in the, in the preamble, which is, well, there are certain things that I think like certain blockchains is my view that are apt application specific blockchains, you know, like a blockchain doesn't need to do everything. I think we're, we're in this mindset that we think of the internet as this one, you know, like just the internet, right? But I think blockchains might be different where they might lend themselves to this trade-off that you're making the security and centralization and, and faster throughput and um, 
and settlement and, and, and execution and, and lower costs. And so I think ultimately, I think that to me, is this is a growing desire to see more different use cases be explored, whether it be social or NFTs or stuff that, you know, if you're, if you're settling, you know, a million plus dollars, well, you're going to value security a lot. Um, but, you know, there, there are certain applications that might not require, and, and especially the user might not even appreciate decentralization and security. So ultimately, I think it's net positive, as you said, and, and to me, that was most interesting and, and have been uh, for a while now supporting and just observing what's happening and, and, and um, on the DeFi side of things and also the NFT kind of metaverse side of things. So, but I'll, I'll pause there. We definitely want to get back to the conversation around um, you know, the use cases for Solana and how that might be distinct from uh, Ethereum or, or similar to Ethereum when we talk about the apps. But let me throw the same question to Constantine now. So Constantine, uh, you were there from the very beginning, both of Ethereum and also of uh, Solana. So tell us what made you bullish on Solana in the early days and then what, uh, what makes you bullish now? Yeah, you know, it's uh, my answer is pretty simple. It has a different vision on scaling. And it's not bad, it's good. You know, like uh, if we do only, I mean, the same things, it is uh, bad for ecosystem. We should try a different one and compete with each other. It will bring, you know, like a better product for final users. And uh, before uh, we start this discussion, I also want to say that I'm a big believer in Ethereum success, you know, like, and have, you know, like much more Ethereum that I bought on, for example, on crowd sale. And uh, so I'm not going in this conversation, try to sell Solana. Uh, my goal is, you know, like to show that Solana and Ethereum are good friends and uh, they can coexist together. And together we can achieve like the goal of decentralization and censorship resistance faster and like to bring more value i mean to everybody then if we compete attack and try you know like uh, to compete with each other and also i i mean uh in 2014 you know like i did a report about all blockchains and uh, it, this valuation is more than one hundred thousand dollars it, it was about 100 of them and we split them already in 2014 on proof of stake and proof of work. And what did we try to understand? What is the difference between all of them? And what we saw, we saw even in 2014, already a lot of Bitcoin maximalists. You know, they still exist. <laughs> you can see them. Now we have a lot of also Ethereum maximalists. I, I don't try to say that it's bad. It's also good that we love the products that we build. But what I try to say is that, I mean, we need to, to look uh, deep more we need to make more critic not only to competitor but also to products that we love and push to make them better so back to the question you know uh, in 2018 when the, it was the beginning of crypto the beginning of crypto winter so nobody want to allocate capital to new product, products especially to layer 1 and i had a conversation with anatoly where he told me like a lot of different things, you know, I didn't catch everything because he's more technical than I am. But one thing that I catch, it was like that he want to build a blockchain that scale with the speed of technology. You know, like, and it is a little bit different thesis that we have in this Ethereum. For example, when you want to like make more like transaction, for example, when you want to build more scalable solution. And if it, it is new hardware exists, you can make more transaction per second. And in this di different vision, you know, I'll allocate my capital because I think, I don't know what the vision is, I mean, or like what, what is better finally, what will win, what ecosystem will win. I, I, I will happy that 
like all these ecosystem coins coexist and will find own uh, like place on the market. And there, are, this is my goal. That's what we try. I what what I tried to do from 2018. I run a validator. I run these nodes. I help you know to make it censorship resistant and decentralized. Yeah, this is my answer. David, you're muted. Fantastic, Constantine. I appreciate that uh, perspective. And um, but, but both of you got your both of you guys' answers uh, had some sort of allu allusion to um, Solana being a meaningfully different innovation than just um, what would be just a, a fork of Geth, right? Like, and I think the reason why like we we are doing a Solana panel rather than like a Binance Smart Chain panel or a Avalanche panel is that both of those things are just forks of geth, right? Like, and that's not really true innovation in my mind. And ultimately it's it, it, talking about the EVM is ultimately just talking about Ethereum with extra steps. Solana is not that. Solana is its own thing. It's bringing its own uh, innovations to the table. And so my, my question to you guys is, what is Solana optimized for as a result of the, its new like package of software, right? Like, and uh, do the, do what, if Solana is optimized for something, is it optimized for something that is similar to Ethereum and what Ethereum is, is optimized for? Or is it something different? Um, Santiago, let's start with you. I was going to say, Constantine, if you wanted to go first, but sure, I'll, I'll, I'll jump. I, I think, you know, I ultimately don't, my view is that Solana perhaps takes, um, like every network, I think, through utility decentralizes. So Bitcoin and Ethereum were pretty centralized, I think, initially as well. Um, the to Constantine's point, I mean, I've spoken to Anatoly, and he he worked at Qualcomm, I believe, and so has this sort of view of how uh, networks scaled in the early days of the internet. And and I think there's sort of these sequential waves where, um, you know, you have this technology, no one really cares about it, then it gets a lot of traction, and it pushes right the limit. Uh, of a server uh, of, of network, and then you have sequential waves of innovation. But there's this sort of gap where uh, there's more demand what the network can support. And I think that experience from Anatoly coming from the network side of things is interesting. Um, ultimately, I think both Ethereum and Solana are designed to be just generalized. And I don't think they have a particular um, like vertical in mind. Now, I think as I think of it, I mean, I'm skewed, right? Because I, I like DeFi, um, but I've also become more interested in NFTs and the metaverse. Uh, and back to my original statement, you know, I think Solana is more, this is my view. I don't know why it was, if there's, if this is true of, of its design, but I think that um, at least for now, you are more likely to see applications that require less security, uh, both from, uh, especially on the user side of things um, and can scale more uh, easily. Um, and, and I think those are naturally things that have been tried in Ethereum that haven't gotten that much traction uh, or have gotten reasonable traction. But I think you're seeing a lot of like, I think, I think you're seeing over a million active users in, in Solana. A number of transactions per user is like two, three times higher than Ethereum. Why? Because I think it's just cheaper, right? And so all that's telling me is that social, NFTs, um, gaming, applications at the moment of where the network is in terms of its security um, and concentration of validators, sort of if you look at the like Nakamoto consensus, I think is more well-suited for those types of applications. Now, over time, that's not to say that like DeFi applications, for instance, cannot, I mean, there's certainly like Mango and a very thriving DeFi ecosystem that is being built, a lot of which has been, hey, what's worked in Ethereum, let's port it over to Solana and build that, 
right? I think DeFi is like a core backbone in any any infrastructure. I think most layer one blockchains are now realizing, hey, look, wow, DeFi is really the killer use case, at least in Ethereum. Let's port that over and have all these yield incentives to attract users. Um, my view that perhaps we should discuss at some point is this idea that DeFi protocols, when you're securing that type of value, you know, like I think TVL in Solana is actually quite small at the moment, it's like three billion or so, and and Ethereum is like it's like thirty or something or much much more. Um, and the question is, can you actually get there? And will institutions and funds get comfortable like meaningfully staking value in the Solana ecosystem? And I I don't know. It's sort of like I think it's still TBD. Um, my view is that it might take a little bit more time to like battle test this network. Um, and, but, but it's not to say that it can't get there. So long with that answer is saying, I think at the moment you're in this curve of security decentralization where applications that require less security, um, are probably in our more like computation intensive are going to get more traction, but, um, but yeah, that I'll pause there, but. Hey, David, you're muted again. Thank you. Uh, Constantine, same question to you. Uh, since Solana is a new suite of of you know software, it's a new collection of softwares. How is that? How is that software collection like optimized for differently or similar to what we see on Ethereum? Uh, you know, I think like all blockchain tried to like uh, uh, like optimize to I mean uh, from one side security, from other side scalability, from the other side decentralization, and there. I said that like it's a lot of critique to everyone. Still to Ethereum, for example, I mean launch of Beacon Chain from one side is security, but like it's give a lot of chance to, for exchanges to be like the leaders in proof of stake, for example. Uh, these are also like, or, I mean, for example, so and I think like Ethereum tried to be secure first, you know, and they're uh, decentralized and then like scalable, you know, like by different other and to move not so fast. And Solana doesn't have, you know, like this option to move so so slow. I mean, like uh, so in a so secure way. They take a lot of more risk because, you know, like to, I mean, Ethereum like is a almost number one blockchain for I don't know how much four years. Or I mean, if you don't like uh, look on Bitcoin, for example, and Solana only launched in 2018. You know, and they try and to build the ecosystem to bring developers to do all the things to build the product is really difficult. And there is not easy. That's why, you know, like when somebody like, like make a lot of critique to any products, I, I send them to build something, you know? And there, I, I think of course, Solana from one side, they want to be censorship resistance. And do they, are they doing a lot of work? I, 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 I can say yes. They bring so many validators. They spend so many funds on top of it. They spend more time on like uh, validators than maybe any other blockchains. Maybe like Zaki did a good work in Cosmos. Uh, of course, it is like some issues with that. But like uh, Solana did a great work in, in uh, uh, I mean, uh, Solana to build like this validators community. And it's not a lot of other blockchains that gives this example. But I think the main goal of, uh, I mean, uh, like Solana is give you scalability. It's still think about security and about decentralization, but the main goal to run like an application that can be composable with other application and has 1 billion users. 
Is it a complex task? Yes, it is. Is, is it like a lot of different way how to build such blockchain? Yes, it is. And this is like just different approach. So I'm, I'm curious about your, your model for things, guys. Like, so when I think in my head about like um, decentralization, right? And trustlessness, first of all, it's very hard to pin down and define, right? But it's very clear there's also like a, a spectrum of, mm-hmm. of trustlessness, right? And, and uh, decentralization. And so let's say you have on the, on the far left of you know, most decentralized smart contract chain out there, we put uh, Ethereum, right? Um, and then on the far right, you might have, you could call something like um, Coinbase, for example, or Binance or something that settles to other public chains, uh, chains in and of themselves, right? They're kind of like a single validator, I guess, um, ledgers, if you will, that settle on top of this eco- open ecosystem of chains. And then if you move a little bit further right, you might get like side chains, for instance, with some sort of you know, delegated proof of stake. You might have like Cosmos, you might have um, you know, Polygon in its, in its, fir- in its current form. Uh, and then maybe somewhere in between, I, you know, I can't quite make up my mind, you have like a, um, a Solana, which is possibly a bit more decentralized than a delegated proof of stake sort of, you know, tendermint based chain, like something in the Cosmos ecosystem, something like Terra uh, or, or not. And what I, first of all, I'm, I'm curious if this is kind of your mental model. Um, and in also like what one, I guess, uh, thing I forgot to mention is we also have layer two, which is essentially, I would say further, further left, closer to uh, Ethereum, because while it has some, you know, cryptographic and economic sort of additional trust uh, requirements, it's still using the Ethereum network ultimately for its economic security and its uh, full security. So it's kind of like, A, is this the model? Is this how you model the world in your mind? And then like B, how much decentralization is enough for something like DeFi? And Santiago, I'm curious your take on this first. Yeah, I, I think your mapping is relatively how I think of it as well. Um, and and jumping directly to the question around DeFi is, look, I mean, I think Anatoly, sorry, um, Constantine alluded to this earlier. I think if you, Anatoly, I've heard him say a number of times, there is an implicit belief and assumption in sort of this Moore's Law concept that the cost of running validator in Solana will go down pretty dramatically over time, which will allow for more, I guess, diversity of, of the validator set. And because right now there's what, 900 coming up to 1,000. Um, and, but it's still relatively expensive, I think, to run a node. Um, and Constantine, you, you, you can collaborate, corroborate, correct me here if I'm wrong. But, and so okay, it begs the question, right? Um, when you think about security, I think of security is what is the economic cost to attack this chain? Okay. And, 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 and I think the, Simplistically, you would say, okay, I think you need like a third or whatever to a third or two thirds, I guess, like um, to, 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 for validators to collude and then like, you know, roll back the chain or like attack the network. Fine. But I think when it comes to DeFi, so I think DeFi protocols, it's an interesting dynamic where my theory is, okay, so if you're a DeFi protocol and you have uh, a lot of these assets, you have your own token, right? And then you have all these users, right, that, that are using your protocol, you're maybe an AMM or a money market. Then I think when you have the choice of which validators to use, or like, I think it, it's sort of like, 
increases, I think, the cost of the, the attack because, like, you know, there are these stewards, I guess, of capital in the system that are that are going to choose. I think the validate the validators. So, like, it's not as e- like we think in theoretical terms. I think of okay, what would happen if someone were to buy all this um, equipment and then like try to attack the network? But the reality is, there is some choice in that. I think process uh, where. DeFi becomes an interesting, I think, mitigator to simplistically just saying, oh, it's going to cost X to like get X percent hash rate or X percent of the validator set and just like collude and try to attack the network, I think is is my theory. But um, I'll let Constantine jump in. Yeah. What do you think, Constantine? So, you know, same question. Um, is this the model that you see, the spectrum of decentralization and how much decentralization is enough for DeFi? Uh, you know, uh, it's a complex question. <laughs> I mean, I can't measure like the decentralization of Solana on this spectrum. And uh, we even don't have a lot of data to do it. I mean, if you look on, uh, for example, Ethereum validator set, how we can calculate how many real validators are running the network. We can't, you know, like I'm running the, net- the network, I don't know how. And how by that, pro- you mean like individual people? Individual, like, individual, notes? like companies, like individuals, uh, like some other parties, you know, uh, how many professional validators are running in Ethereum, you know, the, and the amount is really low. Why? Because Ethereum didn't have delegation. And as a lighter, we tried to find these professional validators and bring them to validator set. Is it any one? Please outreach us. We will be happy to give you like some stake. But I mean, and in case of Solana, it is also like they have now, like for example, 900, uh, 980 like validators in validator set. But is it all real people? I mean, it is a difficult to understand. It is different to like measure. What is you know like uh, I mean, what is there really censorship resistance? Is it like one thousand validators? Is it ten thousand validators? And when I speak with these guys, for example, with Anatoly or like with Dankrat from Ethereum, you know, they all pushing us. They say we need ten thousand validators. You know, but is it economic enough to pay everyone like for the running of validation? Is it possible to run individual? I mean, uh, validator by uh, the by individual? Is it you know like flashing condition? So it is, you know, like really complex thing and to, you know, like, and it is, uh, so it is a lot of uh, things how we should measure it and uh, um, could have more metrics and now we don't have, so, you know, like, yeah, I, I even can't like say like, is it like Ethereum proof of stake network is like, for example, <clears throat> time or like how much decentralized, I, I can't measure it, you know. If I could ask a question to Constantine, because uh, you know, I've been involved in Lido, and, and I think Lido has seen impressive growth, but there is this idea of how much should Lido be, like, uh, like what percentage of the network should Lido have, right? Because Ethereum is transitioning to proof of stake, and and it's a, I'd be curious because it, you you when you talk about this mapping, Ryan, or we think about decentralization proof of stake concept, is how much is too much. Because Lido's gotten incredible traction, but in maybe if you can talk about that constantly, because like I, I think like it forces to think about like Ethereum and so on in the context of okay, Lido's getting all this traction. You're you're approving certain validator sets, right, and, and new validators into the Lido trusted ecosystem, if you will. So so I think that acts as a mitigator, right? Because you know these people, you know these operators in some capacity, 
you know that there, you know, there is always some sort of social trust in any of these networks. Now, it's not realistic to assume that you're gonna, in a world where there's like 10,000 validators, you're not gonna know all of them, right? And it's sort of this permissionless system that anyone can just spin up, right? Their own infrastructure. Um, and so the question is to you, Constantine, as Lido expands into Solana, like, would you say that like, okay, it's a fairly like limited validator set today, but if you're a DeFi protocol or if you're a big sole holder, you're gonna choose which, which um, validator then, then you're going to have to like do some due diligence. You're going to have to vet that, right? If you're a DeFi protocol and you're holding all these soul and tokens, well, like, I think that's ultimately, like we forget, but I think blockchains are social constructs of coordination. Like there is always an element of, hey, I trust Constantine because he's been running validator nodes forever. And I know his, like, I know his slashing rate. I know that he's super competent operator. And, and there is an element that I know him and I know he's probably has an incentive not to attack the network. Or be corrupted, but but that's just my sort of perspective. Yeah, you know, like we are as BTP Network, we are running nodes like for many years, and you know, like it's how people choose validators. They can't understand. It's more marketing, you know, like or sales. It's like I mean, users even the fans they don't think really a lot on security, and this is an issue, and that's why like products like Lido can solve this problem because. What is the goal of LIDAR? Is to make happy Ethereum holders. Is to extract, for example, MEV to ETH holders. Is to keep network decentralized. Is to choose like best validators. And the more competition between such actors like LIDAR, then more they will bring validators. For example, when I'm speaking with Anatoly and say, oh, we're going to like LIDAR want to launch us on Solana. And he say, oh, we need 10,000 validators, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I say, how, you know, like, what should I do? It's impossible. And he say, let's do it, you know, let's find the way. We will find some like uh, brands, some other things. And it's complex, it's complex things. And I, I, what I try to say is that, you know, like to make this network decentralized, you are like bankless, what bankless is doing. You should push people to like, to go to LIDA, to go to Ethereum Foundation, to go to other parties and push them like to make this network decentralized. It should be more political discussion about, of stakeholders to push, our, I mean, uh, to decentralization. Back to the question of Solana, you know, like, I mean, it's, it, is, it has like 980 like validators, but I mean, like it's more maybe decentralized than like 10 validators or 100 validators. And I mean, we still don't know how the biggest like decentralized network has uh, how many validators it has. But I mean, amount of validators, it's only part of decentralization. Also, it depends how like it's construct architecture of this blockchain and all other questions. Yeah, there are so many factors that make up uh, decentralization, including like even token distribution, which we could talk about. I'm, yeah, let me maybe throw out, throw out kind of some of my experience. So um, Constantine, I, I um, used to actually have a validating entity, a validating company, um, did some work with uh, Cosmos, was on the early Cosmos testnet. And um, one of the things that was interesting from a, you know, observer's perspective of being a validator was, you know, Cosmos uh, had an ICO, so it had some distribution, but what would seem to happen post the launch of the Cosmos hub is that a lot of the stake kind of collected in the hands of, of whales and a relatively small number of validators. So nominally, there'd be like 100 validators, right? But like 
a good portion of the network, they were all in the same disc. We we're all in the same channels. We knew one another, you know, like um, it, a lot of the actual validators were former employees of like Tendermint and, uh, and Cosmos. Uh, and it just, it just felt very, and of course it had, um, you know, governance on chain vote governance, and it felt very centralized. And I don't actually fault the Cosmos ecosystem for that, right? It's using it's kind of you know delegated proof of stake type model. And uh, to be fair, its vision is actually not to have a, a single chain that rules them all. It's to have this massive ecosystem of self-sovereign chains and city-states, right? Um, but this is kind of where I'm coming from when I look at Solana, right? So we have a generally a closed sale, VC sale. You had to be an accredited investor to get the tokens dominated by a bunch of uh, VCs, but also validators who got in early on the Solana launch, right? And many of these validators know one another. I've heard that, you know, 18 validators or so have 33% of the network. Like it's a relatively small group of people, but, but uh, what it doesn't have and what I think Ethereum does have is the ability to actually run a node at home, right? Like on my Comcast internet connection, I want the ability not to run a validator necessarily that I want that ability, but also to run a non-validating node on Ethereum and just val like make sure that uh, I'm not getting a bunch of like garbage injected in by a colluding group of, of validators. So to me, that's what's what's kind of different is it's uh, you know coming from that perspective, um, it feels like. You had a more centralized launch than something like Ethereum. You have a small group of validators who become kind of the, you know, almost like the early banks, right? This is like they control sort of the, the ledger. It's a smaller consortium, smaller group of people. And then the average user doesn't necessarily have the ability to, to run their own node to, to, to clinch it off. And so what Santiago, you were saying earlier about, hey, some of this stuff uh, decentralizes over time. Actually, I partially agree because I think token distribution decentralizes over time. But when you construct a network that um, requires such massive like bandwidth and like uh, you know state growth is is a problem. It's a problem for Ethereum, for instance, right? I worry that Ethereum is going to become more uh, cent centralized over time, and because state uh, is like state growth issues remain unresolved. So I'm curious your perspective on some of this. Maybe we'll just start with like the ability to run a node at home. How important is this for the decentralization of, an, of the network, Constantine? Yeah, so, uh, you know, like you tell so many questions and uh, I even try, try <laughs> Sorry. to like, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, I, I remember your product, you know, like back in Cosmos ecosystem, you had like a beautiful website. These are good for, for big fishes, you know, like I remember this. Or, uh, this is like Mythos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, it was I, I was running notes too, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 and uh, I, you were one of the first who, you know, start to work in Cosmos ecosystem, made a website, I mean, before everyone else, and start to outreach people, you know, and uh, I saw on your website, try to copy some like pieces and uh, try to do the same. And I agree with you that like, Cosmos ecosystem, for example, I don't remember how token holders they have, for example, 3000, yes. But uh, uh, I mean, the distribution was, I mean, pretty centralized, but you know, 
I, I, I am agree with the opinion that then more utility than better distribution. If we look back in Ethereum, it was only 10,000 people who participated in crowd sale. For example, I participated two times. So maybe like it was, I don't know how much. <laughs> I, I Congratulations. mean, a couple, couple, couple transactions, yes. But I try to say that it's difficult to uh, understand uh, the real, I mean, like uh, decentralization of stake. But we know that Ethereum has like traction. It has a lot of users and redistribution happened during this time. People sold tokens or like something happened. The same, I think, is here. Then more like utility for the network then more uh, network will be decentralized in the long term. And also uh, about the running uh, like the equipment at home, I ask my team, you know, like DevOps team, how much this equipment, uh, I mean, is the price of this equipment. I, I, it can be like the prices, it will be like from five to 20,000, like for the one setup. And you can run it at home. For now, I mean, it's not so many transactions in Solana. When the state will go, when they're like, uh, I mean, uh, uh, amount of transaction will grow. You need more, for example, like uh, like uh, video cards, but still the same with mining. You have like, I don't know, small uh, uh, like container of some with like a lot of different mining equipment. So can you like run it at home? I think yes. Uh, the question is like, would be like the best like performed note, I don't think, because you need to have a, a team around it. Uh, I mean, you know, but if you are DevOps, you can like buy it. And I, also, you know, like this equipment is cheaper and cheaper, like every like two years, the price is going down. So uh, that's why, you know, like if you speak about YouTube it, in 2000, everybody tell you that, I mean, it is impossible to, that somebody will for example, have a YouTube or, and nobody will would invest in YouTube in 2000. The same with Zoom or Skype, for example, Anderson and Horowitz, you know, when, when they start to work on browser, one of the first idea was to make like calls between each other, but it was impossible. And what I try to say is that, you know, like, I mean, uh, the, the price of hardware will drop down. And for example, you already like on, uh, I think like uh, on our PlayStation has one petabyte of like, uh, uh, yes, SSD, and you have some other uh, like metrics. So I, I, in my point of view, if you want to run a node, you need to have some delegation in stake, uh, but, and uh, you can do it uh, in Solana too. And also, from a, yeah, yeah, from a practical perspective, so like I'm, I'm just curious because I do think this is a fundamental trade mo- trade trade off that Solana makes, right? So like, uh, we can run an ETH2 validator, and, and we do uh, on a Raspberry Pi at home, home internet connection, basically, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, uh, solutions like Rocket Pool do things like you know decentralized. I know Lido is moving to a more decentralized model too, but the average user can run it at home. I couldn't do that necessarily with um, my Cosmos validator node. I mean, that did require a bit more DevOps, but it was possible, maybe, right? Solana, I worry that like from a practical perspective, maybe like a hypothetical, yeah, somebody, one guy could figure out the DevOps and like run this thing from home. He's got, you know, high, super high speed internet, um, but it's not part of the culture. And maybe that's a trade-off that is made. It's basically like, hey, we're going to have lots of uh, validating nodes and other nodes throughout the world. They're all going to be 
on AWS, and they're all going to be in data centers in various locations. And that's okay. That's the point at which Solana is on the spectrum of decentralization, but it has not prioritized the ability to like for a, a regular person to run a node and read write to the Ethereum chain. Is this kind of a fundamental trade-off? Because this is part of the, the challenge. I when when I have Solana, you know, discussions with people, I always feel like we can't get to like the the bottom line of okay. I there are some trade-offs that are being made bet- between mm-hmm. uh, Ethereum and Solana. It's like what are they? If this is one, cool, I understand. Now we understand the trade-off. Now we can have an argument of whether that's uh, good or not. But is that the trade-off? Do you think, Constantine, the inability to run a node as an individual user? Yeah, Ryan. How many of your friends you like know a lot of people in Ethereum community, and, and maybe like it's a critic, you know. But we need to like speak more openly about it. How many of them are running Ethereum node? Really, like I mean, validation node. And for example, I would be really because of the slashing, because of the other risk. I would really, I, I mean, worry to run it by myself because I'm not so technical. I can't run it, and I or I, I would use the special software then can, you know, like uh, damage my node. And I would be not really sure that it will work in a way, uh, in a secure way. So how many people do you know, like who is running Ethereum node at home? I, well, I, I think the answer to that question misses the point. And, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not the wrong point, but the, the, the option to run a node yeah, is okay. extremely important. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and yeah, so, but, but, but you, uh, can, you, can, you can run like Solana Note at home, I think. I, I don't see like, I, I mean, I, I know people, these DevOps people, they have uh, like VPN inside at home, you know, like they have like a uh, service at home and uh, they're running VPNs and some other things. Is it possible right now? It, I think it is, but, uh, um, but you need to be like uh, to do some research, to spend some time and you will set up it, uh, I think, at home. Santiago, what's your take uh, on I, all this so far? I think, yeah, like, look, I, I think the Solana Foundation would tell you it is hard to run a node today. It is. It's just it's more expensive. It requires more technical expertise. Um, the hope is that, and, and Anatoly says it's a technological problem, not a computer science problem. It's an engineering problem, not a, not a computer. I've heard him say this a number of times. And I think he's right. I mean, ultimately... You are banking on this idea, like our weave is, for instance, of the cost of running a node will will collapse over time. This sort of Moore's law construct of, hey, it's going to become cheaper, easier. You're going to abstract away some of the complexity for anyone to run a node. And maybe that's what opens up a lot of these use cases that we talk about, where it really, you know, as I said earlier, it might just open up and Solana can become, Visa might choose to settle USDC on Solana, for instance but it chose Ethereum. So is it too late at that point? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But I do agree, like from a design perspective at this moment in time, I think we can all agree that it's harder to run a node on Solana. And I think the Solana team will tell you yes, and they're focused on that. And that's that's the, the challenge, right? Um, so, so then I think it moves on to the second part of the question, which I think Constantine was alluding to is, then, then social, trust and diligence becomes very important. The social layer of these networks and the culture becomes more and more important, I think, earlier on. Earlier in the stage, I think there's a transition of trust and, 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 of, and, and sort of security and decentralization. Right now, I would say there, there, there is a lot of trust in Solana. 
that you need to be trusting these validators that, as you say, Ryan, I don't know for a fact, but if, if they all potentially could collude. Well, I think like just to pose another question is like how much do you trust in Fiora and, and, and Joe Lubin and the consensus team? And, you know, there is concentration. There will always be concentration the same way that like if you look at political systems, like it is unrealistic to assume that everyone is going to run a node in their home. It's just let's just like agree on that because it's not going to happen. I think we can probably make it easier for people and try to layer in some incentives. But um, I think people ultimately just delegate and, and want to, to use trusted delegators. And as Constantine was saying, there needs to be more talk and more discussion across networks, not just Solana, uh, but also in Ethereum. Yeah, and also we talked about Bitcoin, like where's hash rate, right? It's all in China, right? Okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. And let's figure out ways to mitigate that, not like brush over these things. Um, then I think it becomes important to do, for instance, tooling and educational resource to say, hey, this is the track record of this validator. And this is where it's based. These are the people, maybe there's a blue check mark that says these are whatever someone's like validating or, or like attesting to the legitimacy of this validator or something like that, right? Ryan, if you're running a mythos, well, hey, like someone can vouch for you. And then there's an implicit social layer, I think, on top of this consensus that that creates, I mean, this is sort of the idea of slashing, right? Uh, but you can potentially maybe include a reputation layer built on top of that, that, that becomes interesting because I don't think you solve it as easily for any network. I think you're always there will always be a gravitational pull towards some concentration. The question is how hard I think in Solana, it's easier to go towards that extreme that you're talking about, Ryan, where it's just by design at the moment, it's easier to go to a state where it can become uncomfortable for financial institutions and large people to settle value, like meaningful value in this network. This is, this is, is kind of, this yeah. is kind of what I like, what I worry about. And like back to, back to David's point, just, just because people, lots, many people don't run um, nodes at home. You know, um, it's kind of like, I mean, many people don't vote in their democratic elections, right? Particularly their local ones, right? Um, and so should we say at the protocol level, well, hey, we only get like 25% showing up to these elections. Let's just stop elections, be way more efficient if we just had some, you know, central leaders who could make the decision in this jurisdiction, this area. It's like, well, no, because it's important to have the option to, to vote in these elections. And I think that's important for the most decentralized base layer, settlement layer, uh, DeFi protocol uh, to preserve. I think Ethereum preserves that. And that's kind of my question about Solana. Maybe th this is why I would say like, I think we're all on the same page that Solana plus Ethereum is like pie expanding and is great for the space. And it's, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's great for Ethereum. It's also great for uh, Solana. So like, I, I don't ever want to, to um, couch it as a like this versus that. But I, mm -hmm. I do want to fight and make sure we preserve these values of decentralization that the entire crypto movement is based on, the ability to opt out of the existing system. I don't want to have us at the protocol layer, the deepest layer of this whole financial stack, some kind of a centralized uh, lock-in. And maybe to Constantine's yeah. point, hey, it's like, look, man, this is all going to centralize anyway, and people aren't going to run Raspberry Pis <laughs> through, through their home. And like, if that's the case... And man, you know, that would be sad. We will have lost something yeah, yeah. in crypto. Well, and then I kind of go existentially. I'm like, what the hell was the point of the whole thing? You know, 
And so, well, yeah, I mean, are you, yeah. do users care about decentralization? No, but okay, like, l- let me offer you other data points around the networks that I was running validators too. So like Tezos, for instance, if you weren't one of the early um, bakers, which is the validators, you were gone. Like to your point, if you were in top three, like you would, it would, it, it was more at that point a marketing effort and BD. And it was practically impossible because I would be offering like 10%, 5%, like take rate on the, on the reward. And you got to go find move. whales, don't you? I mean, I played this exactly. Game. It was, it was an in, incredibly hard to convince people to undelegate and redelegate. And they were paying 40% um, to a validator. And it's wild. And I said, economically, rationally speaking, you would say these people would switch. And they didn't, right? It's hard, right? People are lazy or what or what have you. Don't, when it comes to money, you rarely switch your bank account. And I think that dynamic for me in Tezos was interesting to observe. Uh, now, of course, you could undelegate and you, I think that kept like the validators honest and what they were voting for. And you could, you know, there was a process to undelegate and a cycle and what have you. And so, okay, that's fine. The optionality is super important, right? I, I definitely agree. But look at Look at um, Cosmos too. I mean, you have to have a certain amount of delegated atoms to even be a validator. Now, like to your point, a lot of that was an early advantage from a lot of employees from Tender who, who, who cleaned up. I mean, it was just easy for them to do that, right? It was an unfair advantage. I didn't like that. I didn't agree with that. So I, I, I said, you know what? I'm, I don't believe in that. Even though Same. Tendermint as a protocol, I think is pretty interesting. But Same. I didn't like that dynamic of the validator set. And I thought it's 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 a it's a big kind of it's a challenge I think for a newcomer, at least in some of these systems, just to get reasonable validation. This is difficult. Uh, so it's also a sales effort and a BD effort. Um, I think Terra is doing something interesting actually, where obviously like there's more apps being built in the Terra ecosystem, which has been pretty impressive to see. Um, and what they're doing is the airdrops. Uh, that some of these protocols are issuing and the Terra, the Terra Foundation, I think, is layering in rewards um, to incentivize users to delegate to smaller validators in the set. And this is what I was going at. I think like this could be an incentives design where if you're the foundation, heck, if you're the Solana Foundation, let's just agree that that's sort of like the more neutral party that has a really strong incentive not to like for the network to be secure. The same with the Ethereum Foundation and Consensus did it early on, um, and the Terra guys are doing it. Well, let's just like create incentives to stimulate a very more vibrant um, validator set and incentivize users to delegate to the small guy um, or to even subsidize part of the hardware. I don't know if this would be practically possible with Solana, but this is an idea that I've had, which is Terra is doing it. And I found it interesting because even as a sort of as a fund or what have you, I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm just going to re-undelegate from the large guy and try to re-delegate to maybe the guy that's on top 10 or top 20 and has never has been slashed or what have you, never skipped the block or something. Yeah, I just want to add something, you know, like uh, I don't try to say that, I mean, I, I, I am happy that like Ethereum can run by, uh, on Raspberry Pi. I just try to say, to look like, and uh, I, I, I think it's one of the most important things, you know, that you can launch a node in any place and to run it, you know, but I just try to say, I mean, to look on reality, you know, like to discuss it, to push it, you know, we need more discussion. For example, now to run a Ethereum node, you know, you need like 32 is, how much is it? 
do you know how much that is right now? It's like $120,000. Is it a lot? Is it like expensive? Is it, or, I mean, or, I mean, how much the equipment, Raspberry Pi is cheap, but like this take is expensive. So, I mean, it is a lot of things that we need to push and I'm 100% agree that it should be available to run anyone a node at home. This is definitely, I mean, the right of blo uh, that blockchain should give you. Yeah. I do want to make one quick distinction, like uh, 32 ETH to run a validating node, right? But like you can run a non-validating node at home, which is which is important, which is also essential so that an individual can read and write to the blockchain without going through any third parties. But I've talked so much, David, I want to get let you get a question in here. Well, I, I do want to move on to other subjects, but I first want to maybe hopefully wrap up this conversation with this with this question. And I'll put on my skeptical ETH maxi hat and say that uh, Ethereum as a consensus system is built to be neutral to allow any sort of expression of alternative systems to be built on top of Ethereum. Uh, that's kind of its goal. Maximally simple uh, layer one blockchain to allow layer twos to be however they want to be. Uh, and so my, my skeptic hat is, is saying, why didn't Solana if, uh, get what it wanted to get out of like a more scalable platform as a layer two to Ethereum? And my, my uh, malicious skeptical hat will say, well, if you deploy as a layer two to Ethereum, Solana wouldn't be able to do like a, a VC pre-sale raise and enrich a lot of early, uh, many early founders. Like you, they, they wouldn't be able to hype themselves up as a, as a layer two in the same way that they would be able to hype themselves up as a scalable layer one. And so they perhaps chose the layer one path rather than a layer two on Ethereum with a money motivation, right? And to me, that like taints the incentives of the bootstrapping, the genesis of this this ecosystem. So that that's my skeptical Ethereum maxi hat. Why is that wrong, Constantine? I, I saw you shake your head. Why why is that wrong? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, do you know how much uh, like this L two solution now raising OVC money? Do you know the valuation? <laughs> I think like, Arbitrum just did a one point two billion dollar one, yeah, right? Yeah, much bigger than like L one solution. So any like that want to build. Well, and so the question still stands. Yeah. Like, why why build a layer one instead of a layer two? Yeah, so uh, the question is the same. Yeah, so uh, it, I mean, like layer two solution still has some, I mean, uh, uh, like uh, price cost, you know, like to run on Ethereum. It has some uh, restrictions. It's not so, I mean, it's depend on what, what you can do on Ethereum too. So you need like, if it's like roll up, for example, uh, then you need to have an ability to like, uh, I mean, uh, to execute it on Ethereum if something happened. And this is like price. This is like a user experience. It is like some uh, issues that's going with like L2 solution. And, uh, you know, like uh, I, I, it is a lot of people who are, has own vision of, uh, of a solution. And it's good, you know, like it's a big thing and uh, they have it. Uh, why they can build own way how, how they think like this layer one should work. And uh, about like this VC money, I mean, what VC is doing is they usually allocating capital and not all of them are bad, you know. I am allocated capital in many blockchains and we allocated capital. It was a small capital. It was my pocket money allocated in Ethereum. And it was a big thing for me, you know. I am a boy from Kaliningrad, you know. Like, I don't, I don't think that you know where is Kaliningrad. But, I mean, I just <laughs> try to say that, like, Ethereum gave me this chance, you know, like, to do it. Solana didn't give a chance. They didn't, uh, like, give a chance, I mean, to everyone to invest. But not because they don't want to do it. 
because the market changed. It was impossible to make ICO in 2018, not because you didn't raise capital, but because it was a security risk. They based in US, guys. And there, it is a reality, you know. And as they did a raise, I think uh, by 40 cents or something like that, by coin list and a lot of people can participate in it so but it's not a lot of people participate so they have they give an option to everyone come in so i mean uh in, to like answer this question that i i am you know like for broader ecosystem then more solution we have then more competition we have do you remember like how slow ethereum development was three four years now we are ethereum community is much stronger is better why because it is like some competition on the market is good for us you know it's for good for ethereum believers that it is some strong people like building something else and it's push ethereum also forward and i think it's good tim question Santiago, do you want to add anything upon that uh, yeah, look, back to your question, David, um, I think that there, there is, there, there may have been some motivation to, and, and look, we've seen that in ICOs, right? People realize that you, you build your own and there's, there's much more uh, sort of the idea of why employees leave Google to, to go start their own. There's more upside. So, so there may have been some of that. I think it goes back to the very, very first question, which is, I think they, Anatoly had a vision for a different architecture design. To, uh, to a blockchain. And Vitalik's been talking about scaling in Ethereum since day one. It's been an issue in everyone's minds. And Anatoly, I think, from his perspective, had a different way of constructing a blockchain. Credibly, like it, it's not like BSC, to your point, David, you were the one that brought it up. It's not Avalanche. It's, it feels more unique in its architecture and in its design that is refreshing because we don't really know. Like, I don't think we have perfect answers to how these systems will work. I think it's very early. We can try to think about this stuff and look how much has roadmap of Ethereum changed over time. And I think, you know, to me, that's instructive of, we don't know, this is why this space is so exciting. It has a lot of technological challenges and social challenges that haven't been resolved, but it's fascinating. This is why the smartest people keep coming to the space because people love working on difficult problems. And so uh, the other point that I wanted to make is I think adding to that, uh, whether you build an L2 like Arbitrum or Optimism, you're still sort of beholden to L1 and what happens at the L1, right? And so, so like, to be fair, if you really want to break from this architectural system that is Ethereum, and then you have to, you have to break and you have to make a different, L, uh, you know, a different system. Now, my thesis is it will be a multi-chain world and there will be a lot of connectivity between these blockchains. Now, yeah, we talk about composability and all this sort of stuff, but by and large, I think we can all agree here that it is a win-win in many ways where there might be huge gaming applications in Solana and social applications in Solana, and then there'd be a much thriving, evolved, developed, secure system of DeFi and Ethereum. And let's talk about that. Let, let, let's understand the connectivity of these chains because I think it will happen. I think it's unrealistic to assume that one change will rule them all. I think you know, it is net positive to see flow, even though people have terrible experiences there and realize very quickly that sometimes, sometimes decentralization does matter. It's sort of like flood insurance. When shit hits the fan, you're like, oh, okay, I should have bought insurance. But people realize until they want to withdraw and stuff. But by and large, I mean, it's bringing on how many users have NFTs brought to Web3? And look, the idea is even, even Libra coined, not to get too off topic, but even Libra, I was po slightly positive on because I said, okay, well, you have 2 billion people that are all of a sudden going to wake up with a wallet and say, what the hell is this? And then it's like, okay, I want to earn money. And what else can I do with this? 
And I think that's what I'm more excited about. It's perhaps a more practical approach, but you know, I think, um, I think is Solana an L2 to Ethereum? Maybe, is so, or maybe possibly, right? You just build a nice bridge. And it's, it's a hard problem, these bridges, but I think someone will crack that nut. Yeah, can I add one point here? So for example, I also invested like in Arbitrum, like in some other projects, I should disclosure it. And I'm a big yeah, believer. Yeah, full disclosure too. Yeah, <laughs> so after, uh, also like I'm a good friend of like Alex who is building ZK Sync and it's amazing software. And I hope that it will be successful, but it's a little bit different, you know, like it's still, I mean, to launch it to, I mean, to bring ecosystem, it's still really complex. And there are, I also like uh, had a team that is working on EVM for Solana. And you know, like it's EVM, just a program inside Solana. And my vision was, I, I like uh, allocate capital to, you know, to build the roll up. Uh, I, uh, it's called Neon Labs, you know, like it's like to build a roll up from Ethereum to Solana, you know, like to execute <laughs> Ethereum, EVM, but use Ethereum uh, like a, uh, security and scala solana scalability so my goal you know like that it should be all interoperable it should be all like more like tied together and use the best features of everyone yeah i think we're in full agreement about kind of like a um you know a multi-chain uh world right whether that's like you know we already are in a multi-chain world which is what i say when people ask that it's like it's like Look, uh, Binance and uh, Coinbase, these are all additional chains. These are side chains, right? Like, and they, they set on these public networks. Let me ask you uh, another question. This kind of weaves in maybe um, Sol as, a, as an asset, as a, as a token and kind of the valuation of it. So another thing that's kind of tripped me up uh, in evaluating Solana in the past is this, this, this pie chart on the far right, which is um, distribution of, of Solana and um, I think, Constantine, you made the point earlier, like, okay, for folks that can't see this, by the way, 48% of Solana distribution, according to a Masari uh, analyst report, um, was allocated to insiders, uh, accredited investors in the US. This is the, the initial sale of Solana. So this doesn't account for how it's distributed since that sale versus um, Ethereum, you know, 15%, right? So uh, we had more concentration at the very early stages of Solana, which which kind of lends in the in sort of the crypto native crowd to people calling uh, Solana kind of a VC chain, if you will, right? Not as not birthed by the community like something like an immaculate conception of of Bitcoin, or because Ethereum had, was the first ICO and it was kind of publicly available, and it uh, you know it got through that gateway and it issued publicly. Like it has kind of a special story about its its issuance. Solana was birthed just like any other kind of Silicon Valley VC project. And by the way, not their fault, right? We understand the uh, the financial prison that we live in in the U.S. For those of us who are listening from the U.S. that prohibit. Um, some of these, uh, you know, ICOs and, and and crowd offerings and this sort of thing. My my question is, how does this affect the trajectory of the network? Though we've had this ongoing conversation about um, monetary assets in crypto, right? This conversation of is Bitcoin money? Is it a store of value? This conversation, ETH as money, as a store of value, as a pristine collateral, but as something that is used as a unit of exchange and medium of account. Now we have Solana, which is less distributed from Genesis, does that mean it takes a different path? Do you think, does this affect the, yeah. affect the decentralization of it? There's no proof of work uh, period of time where it's distributing. It's, it's kind of going back to the validators and, and the owners. So what are your thoughts on that? And are our souls essentially competing as money? Uh, Santiago, let's go to you first. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I want to make one point, which is if you look at the blue shade in, in this chart uh, that you pulled up, I, I think the it's, it's a little tricky, right? Because there was no VC allocation in Ethereum, although there were some very, very large Ethereum holders that participated in the ICO that had, that knew each other, that collectively owned a big, big stack. Um, I, I think insiders like, is a little bit misleading because there, there were large whales in the Ethereum ecosystem, just to be fair, that that collectively own a big, big chunk of the network. And over time, I think what was perhaps one of the best things that came out of the 2017 ICO boom was that people were spending their ETH and that led to a reorganization and further distribution of ETH across multi, many, many hands. Um, but it, it's a little tricky, but... Look, I'll take the point, right? I mean, is, is Solana VC coin? And what is that? What are the implications of that? Because every other network, you know, to your point, Ethereum was the immaculate conception of what an ICO was. And then it was, oh, shit, we can't do this. And so we're forced <laughs> to work within a construct. And it's very difficult. It, it kind of is a dialogue that we should have with regulators. It's like, what are we designing here? Because what are the side effects of, the, of, of this uncertainty? But anyways... I think a couple of things, right? If it's centralized, I mean, I think Solana, one of the things that I've been thinking about is how quickly can a network evolve and adapt? For a long time, it felt like Ethereum was sort of gridlocked and it was very difficult to get shit moving. It was difficult also to fund development. If you were a whale, if you were a protocol, it was somewhat difficult. It's like, who should I give money to? Okay, Joe Lubin spun up consensus, which look, a lot of really good projects came out of that. And I, and I think, look, Kudos to that. And I think the Ethereum community and, and protocols come a long way as a result of that. But it was difficult, right? I, I, I wonder for many, many years, like, okay, if you're a DeFi protocol, how do you give back to Ethereum? Because I, I was like, how many actual developers are, are thinking about ETH2 scaling solutions? And what if I wanted to give grants to that and, and have some say in that decision-making process? And it was difficult. And I guess there were competing designs and, and, and look, I, I agree with Constantine. I think the pace of development in Ethereum, maybe it was DeFi that put pressure on the networks, like, all right, we got to figure our stuff out quickly, or a combination of that, DeFi taking off, a killer use case, and then other protocols launching. I think it's healthy competition goes a long way. Um, I think Solana, again, is at that stage, and other networks uh, are more centralized, and that allows for certain changes in the protocol to be, they're more agile. Now, you may agree if that's good or not, I think some design trade-offs and changes in Solana and decisions have been made in a fairly swift manner by a few insiders um, that, you know, you have a community call and what have you, but at the end of the day, you know, you can credibly vote certain stuff amongst a few people. That's, I think, I think that's still the state of the world for some of these networks, including Solana and Infinity and maybe Filecoin where like, you know, a few funds and large holders and including the team unless the team is abstaining, can, can pass this stuff. But ultimately, like, I'll give you my more practical answer to all of this is the beauty of blockchains is it's this hyper-competitive world of open source. So if you want to do dumb stuff and you want to do stuff that destroys value and it's short-sighted or nearsighted, people are just going to go to another blockchain. And that's the beauty of competition, right? It just keeps people more accountable. If you're, we, we tend to think about like, oh, concentration is bad, right? If you're Apple, if you're some random Web2 company, yeah, like people can just vote this stuff or proxy vote and whatever. And, and no one, there's no accountability. There's no transparency. But you juxtapose that a Web3 world, which is 
open source, ruthlessly competitive, and the cost to copy is barely nothing. So like, I think protocols, whether they're apps like DeFi protocols or layer ones are always beholden to, hey, we start doing stuff that pisses off the community as small as it may be, then we're not going to go far. And so even if you had even more so, right, if you have a big, big stake in a network and you're a VC and you're a, a, a team, why would you destroy value? And, and you're being held accountable in real time because it's open and transparent. And that, I think, is the biggest, sort of like the Heisenberg principle. People are observing you in real time, being super critical of what you're doing because everything is publicly visible and immutable. And it, there's a digital footprint of everything that is being done in these networks. And I think that while concentration is, I'm not agreeing or not saying that is, is good or bad. I didn't, I'm just saying concentration, you should decentralize over time. Yes. Sometimes being more centralized can help in agile development uh, and making decisions. But at the end of the day, blockchains are coordination tools and the community is the layer zero of all of these networks. And if you don't listen to the community, even though they might have a smaller stake, you're done. You're not going to, it's sort of the fastest way to be irrelevant and, and die in this ecosystem. What about that second question that was um, woven in there, which is about souls having a monetary premium? Do you think, uh, does that factor mm. into your analysis of, of the valuation of souls, right? Like right now it's interesting because like, you know, the framework where we see things like Bitcoin is, you know, it's primarily store of value. Ethereum, it's like, mm-hmm. we got capital asset, we got cash flows. Um, we also have a commodity being used as gas and we also mm-hmm. have it being a, a store of value. So this monetary premium, do you think a Solana is valued in the same way that Ethereum and Ether is valued? Or do you think there's a different valuation lens through which, or do you think like sometimes uh, pe- people like me tend to overanalyze all of this? And it's like, who the market doesn't care. It's just, it's yeah, just yeah. kind of a narrative. Yeah. And so however this plays out in the long run, in the short run, it's just going to be valued based on um, the way uh, Ethereum mm-hmm. is valued. Uh, it's a great question, Ryan, because I come from a fundamental background, much like you, and I, I like Ethereum, especially now with the IP 1559. I don't think, by the way, I don't think most people appreciate the full extent of the IP 1559. I think most people are just like like concentrate or focused on on NFTs and, and minting those. But like, I don't think the full. Okay, I don't think the entire market has woken up to the idea of how transformational EIP 1559 is to Ethereum. Like, let, let's just start with there. I, I think the market, because it's so early. We can't even agree on valuation methodologies for crypto. I mean, it took 40, 50 years of traditional, in traditional markets for Benjamin Graham and like in valuation methodologies of P ratio and valuing it off of EBITDA and recurring revenue. These things take time. I think it requires like banks to like put out like equity research reports or like, you know, folks like us that like are tweeting, oh, look, you know, some of these like protocols are trading at distress multiples and they have all this cash flow and people are like, oh no, I'd rather ape into like some random protocol that has no traction. <laughs> like this is how rational this market is. Like I, this is why I don't short this market. Um, so I don't really know how people are valuing these networks at times. I can, I think it with Ethereum, it's easier for me to understand the value proposition of what ETH is as a substrate in the system and seeing all the activity. And I think in a similar manner, my framework for Solana is not too dissimilar from Ethereum, which is you have Sol, you're gonna consume Sol, maybe less, uh, but it's a sort of like um, how 
the things that I rest on, like where I get conviction on is what I said earlier, which is number of developers, which is now up to a thousand in Solana. Um, how easy is it to build? What are the applications being built as a proxy for how big can this network get the number of transactions and settlement? Um, and, and putting aside, Hey, let's just assume that like this network is not going to be attacked and all this stuff like that. This stuff can be figured out, but you discount, by the way, you discount the valuation of Solana at this stage based on these risks that we've discussed in this call. Um, whereas Ethereum is far along in that, you know, when, when, when London was announced and EIP 59 was also agreed upon by, by the, by the miners, I'm like, all right, well, to me, that was a very clear, motivator of and it changed the dynamic of how you look at Ethereum in a very in a very meaningful way. And I can tell you other large players in the market that were hadn't any exposure to ETH also were very, very observant of this um, dynamic. Uh, because for a long time it's only been Bitcoin. This monetary premium you talk about, Ryan, has only been Bitcoin. And so oh you know it's like how many how many Bitcoin maxes are like oh what's the what's the what's the uh, supply of Ethereum? And it's just like they, they would always go to that, and it would be like the most dumb like argument that you could ever make. But lo and behold, you know people listen to that, and then you have a network that is burning, and then you're saying oh wow it's a settlement layer of the internet oh wow all these transactions oh there's a very clear way to value this network. Uh, so anyways, uh, a very long-winded response. My framework for Solana is somewhat similar, very similar to. Ethereum, does it have a monetary premium today? TBD. Constantine, uh, do you want to you touch on these subjects? Uh, yeah, you know, like, I mean, uh, you also, we also should understand that it is a discussion, you know, like if we like uh, say that Ethereum and Solana are children, so Ethereum is seven years children, you know, like, and Solana is three years children. Are they different? Yes, of course, like they have different problems on different level. In case of, I mean, uh, Back in 2014, when we more thought about like how, uh, what is the like uh, value of this blockchain? What is their, I mean, token value? What, how we can compare it, you know, like, and we like try to, we compared like uh, Ethereum, for example, with a country, you know, like, uh, and where, where you have microeconomy and macroeconomy. And there are then more transactions inside, the more companies inside, you know, like the centralized applications, then more activities there are, the more values there are, then more you can extract, you know, in case of burning. The same, I think, is with Solana, you know, like if you have a developers inside, if you have applications and they make transactions, then they can do transactions with Ethereum. For example, cross-chain and macro economy happened, you know, like the more value for and the more narrative to use. I don't know, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, or like uh, uh, Solana as a currency, but you still will look on numbers, you know, like you still will look how activity inside, how many like assets locked, for example. So, and this system is much more transparent than current system. And that's why we are doing, we are here, you know, that's why I love like all these projects, you know, that's why I love to spend time on it. And yeah, so uh, I think like any products that will have real activity, not just a transaction, you know, for, I don't know, like validation or for something that has real people inside, real products, they will find their own value and they will have find their own value proposition and they will have extra, you know, like value and maybe like can be used by 
AI as money. And, you know, like I, I believe like this is money and big funds already invest in investing is as money. And like, for example, all wider like accept only is as money because, you know, like it's a really good case and good example. I appreciate that perspective. And I want to, as we come to a close on this panel, and I, I appreciate all of you guys' times and, and going a, a little bit over. So I'll ask this one uh, uh, quickly. Uh, Ryan and I are often criticized as being ETH maxis. Um, Ryan will definitely say that he's not an ETH maxi. Um, definitely not, David. Definitely not. And I, I would also <laughs> like to reframe, like what I am a maximalist in is developer activity. And if we are talking about smart contract platforms, which I do believe is where this industry goes, uh, I will be a maximalist about whatever the developers are a maximalist about. And so if one specific system has like 99% mindshare in developer activity, then I am 99% a maximalist in that thing. Uh, and so what it, what it would take for me to be, become really, really bullish about Solana is seeing uh, a developer ecosystem grow around Solana, but also things that the developers are building on Solana being built there first, rather than being built on Ethereum, right? Because like we are seeing uh, a bunch of like copycat NFT projects. Like now we have Solana punks and we now we got Solana squiggles. Like what are you really doing here? And so like uh, my, my question to you guys is what are you excited about that's coming to Solana that you might think will come to Solana first before it comes to Ethereum? Um, Santiago, you want to uh, start? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great question, David. Um, I think you'll see perhaps more complex, computationally intensive DeFi primitives like option protocols and perps um, that have been struggling in, in, in Ethereum. Uh, you know, things like Mango or Synthetify. Uh, you'll get just a number of users of, of some of these protocols. More complicated, especially option protocols, haven't truly taken off in DeFi and Ethereum. And I think it's largely because it's expensive uh, to update, to refresh. And so... I think that's one that comes to mind. The other one is is gaming, um, something like Star Atlas or, or uh, uh, like I think some of those applications, maybe social as well. Those would be my top three kind of use cases that I think may may garner like more attention. I'm seeing like from a use case perspective. In the developer composition, um, to me, it was interesting to, to learn that a lot of these developers are like new folks um, that don't know Solidity and just enter, enter, entering the space. There's few have been like, oh, rage quit Ethereum because it's like, I'm done. Uh, there's a couple of examples, but it's mostly been like folks in, um, so like, uh, I think Solana has a big office in Chicago. Chicago is a very, uh, very like um, trader, uh, focus like market and there's a lot of folks like like Sam was at Jump and you know it's pretty tech uh, sorry it was at, like Jane Street and so or Jump and some of these shops that you know they're like financial guys but they're also quants they're developers so like I think you'll see more and more developers in that arena and so naturally because they're coming from that field they're going to probably want to build more complex DeFi primitives um, on Solana. Um, so, so I'm, I, that's what I'm keeping an eye out for. Constantine, same question to you. What, what do you think, what, what's the developer environment on Solana going to be like? And, and what do you think are, what are you excited about coming first to the Solana ecosystem? 
Yeah, first of all, I want to say that it's still a lot of problems inside Solana. You know, we just tell a lot of good things, but I mean, it's still, uh, I mean, early days. It wasn't a lot of hacks, uh, so we don't have uh, any like uh, attacks and uh, don't know what we can, what can happen. It is uh, not a lot of auditing companies. I, I mean, it's a big market, so like maybe somebody like will build an audit company. To, for Solana and uh, it is uh, really difficult to like develop application right now because it's not so many examples, good examples. Uh, and you know, like it's the beginning. I, I, I mean, to launch like not even product is really complex. And uh, but uh, I mean, I, I think I think like with uh, like uh, more experiments, with more uh, tooling, it will be easy, easy and more easy, you know. And uh, I'm agree with, uh, I mean, uh, Santiago about the use cases, about financial use cases, about DeFi, about games. So where you want to, for example, to, uh, I mean, to use, to make like a, a like application with sort of cheap transactions and uh, I mean, try to, you know, like to do it right now. So some of them will try to build on Solana. Uh, but for now, we should understand that it's more complex than build it on Solidity. But uh, so, I mean, EVM also have a lot of own issues, you know, like Solana is multi-threaded, so it's parallelized. It's also, it's, it is, you know, like it has a lot of unique features. Guys, this has been a fantastic uh, discussion. I know, um, you know, David said he's kind of a developer maximalist. I would say, like for myself, I'm a I'm a I'm a bankless maximalist. So I carry I care very much that we don't create a new financial system that is owned by a new class of bankers that just take it over, like our existing financial system. And um, I actually think some diversity in, in experimentation is good, and I do think uh, Solana provides us that for sure. And uh, look, guys, it was just great having a, uh, a rational conversation, like a neutral conversation about this topic, because crypto um, is so tribal sometimes, and it's it's hard to separate uh, the the signal from that that noise of you know tribalness that that goes on. So we definitely appreciate you guys joining, and and thanks. I guess maybe my last question for each of you as as we close uh, is this: um, How do you think that Solana and Ethereum can live together? In, in harmony in the future? Like, how do you think this is going to, to really work out uh, for both of them moving forward? Santiago, let's go with you. David's laughing at my <laughs> question, but let's do that. Yeah, um, uh, I, I think it, 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 there will be coexistence. So let me just agree with that. Uh, I think the way it may look, thinking probabilistically is um, kind of like WeChat has developed in China because they've totally leapfrogged financial infrastructure. So it started with a social app, messaging, and then they built a suite of products around that. And, and then you combine that with like the sort of aggregation theory that I think this space will, will really kind of go towards. Because right now we're all beta testers. It's like, it's like a speck of dust, like a number of users. We really get paid to like experiment with this stuff that has still a lot of risk in Ethereum and Bitcoin everywhere. Um, but like, you know, just give an example, um, maybe... A lot, Solana is just an onboarding funnel, a big one at that. You have like things like Star Atlas and games and social applications. And then you might just click a button and say, oh, I want to earn yield on this or, or swap my, my in-game items. And then that might get settled in Ethereum, depending on whoever you're using. 
uh, the end user may not even know or care which blockchain it gets settled on. It just by default will get settled on Ethereum. Let me tell you why. Because when, let's just assume that 95% of users don't interact directly with layer one. They don't even know maybe they're interacting with the blockchain. But large financial institutions may, so you PayPal or Visa or JP Morgan or whatever. And I think at the moment, uh, security is the thing that most people say, hey, do users care about decentralization? I think it, they may not even care about decentralization. I think Binance Smart Chain kind of told us that in a very clear way, at least. So if we assume that most users may not value decentralization as much, they might value utility. So again, they might be start in Solana and they might swap or use some sort of financial function which you're going to be using Ethereum, maybe, potentially. Why? Because your aggregator, maybe the JP Morgan or the game that you're using, will route to Ethereum because it's safer or because they perceived it to be safer and then security begets more liquidity, which, which improves the, set, like the, 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 the slippage on the trade. And so I think that's like the state of the world that I'm excited about, which I think Ethereum has a moat in DeFi, which is it's the most secure chain today. So if you're an institution like Visa or PayPal, you're going to use Ethereum. And so more liquidity begets security begets more liquidity. And so it's that virtuous flywheel that is just going to be more efficient to trade on Ethereum in size. Uh, and your, your aggregator, your financial institution, your app, whatever you're using may just decide to route it to Ethereum because it's, it's just, uh, just easier to do. So that, that's probably... Now, technically, I, I'm not in a position to like comment on, on, on the feasibility of that, but I am actively kind of thinking about bridges and how that might work. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that's how it, it probably, you know, works. you have millions of users in Solana, which are going to require doing other things other than playing. And some of those, some of the, in that journey, they're going to use Ethereum. Constantine, what's your take? What's yeah. your take on this? How do these chains coexist, live in harmony? How does this uh, play out over the next few years? Yeah, first of all, thank you for the discussion. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it's a great that we discuss all these things and they're openly. And there, I think we should speak more about the problems. And there, uh, you know, like who are like this Solana and Ethereum? It's like we are, like we as a community, we are people who is doing it, discussing it right now who is pushing it like in some direction and what we need like we should keep this blockchain decentralized together solana like ethereum like to let all validators of ethereum runs run solana and solana validators run ethereum nodes you know like and it will be already big things and we have what we are building you know we are building like internet of value and it will be bad if it will be built on only one blockchain, you know, because it is also a risk. It will be good if it will be a lot of different layers and it will be more secure, I think, that collaborating together to, you know, like, uh, I mean, to give everyone on the planet, like to make a transaction without like permissionless and uh, not censored. And our goal as a community, like of this, like, blockchains is you know like to like speak more about it to push this blockchain keep them to be decentralized you know and this is important you know like uh, so what we can do what like solana and ethereum we should like work together on uh, and bring our values i mean to our community 
and uh, try to keep the blockchain decentralized and work together to attract more like billion people here and give them these values. Absolutely. Those values are the layer zero of this entire crypto space. Uh, Santiago, Constantine, it's been fantastic to have you. Thanks for walking us through Solana today. Uh, learned a lot. Great discussion was had. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. thanks, guys. Really appreciate the time. Bankless listeners, risks and disclaimers. Of course, crypto is risky. So is DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Living a bankless life requires taking control of your own private keys, not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the bankless nation already have their ledger hardware wallets, which makes proper private key management a breeze. But the Ledger ecosystem is more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet and the Ledger live app. And if you're used to seeing all of your crypto services and favorite dApps all in one place, Ledger is where you want to be. Not only does Ledger let you buy crypto assets straight from the app, but it also hooks into decentralized exchange aggregators like Paraswap, which makes sure that you are getting the best prices on your trades without your assets ever leaving your control. DeFi never stops growing and the Ledger Live app grows alongside with it. So click the link in the show notes to see all the DeFi apps that Ledger Live has and stay tuned as more and more apps come online. And if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, what are you even waiting for? Go to ledger.com, grab your Ledger, download Ledger Live and get all of your DApps all in one place. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same.